whatever you're going to use this morning as we glean from Scripture. And as you do that, let's review real quick. that We are wrapping up five weeks of lessons learned at the table. It is such a powerful teaching. It's an acknowledgement, a recognition of what goes on at the table. At the turning point of the beginning of the history of the church, everything happened around the table. So what my endeavor was, was was to get to us to a place of attention of knowing that there's still great value of being around the table with friends, with those that we're just building relationships with, and almost as an encouragement and challenge for us uh, not just to come to the Lord's table in a, in a service and take communion, but to commune with others around the table uh, in fellowship. And a lot of times, not just with those that we already have relationship with, thank God for our friends, amen? We need our friends. We need those that encourage us and challenge us, but we also need to be developing relationships, as I will say again during the message this morning, that an invitation to your table may be the only invitation that some receive to God's table. Uh, and so we need to be developing those relationships. We spoke first week out of Luke the 19th chapter and we learned the lesson of generosity from the table when Jesus told Zacchaeus that he must be a guest in his house. That word guest means I want to recline at the table with you. And from that, we don't have a transcript of the message or the lesson that Jesus preached, but whatever was said or done, it sparked generosity in Zacchaeus. And he stands up from the table and he says, I'm going to repay everyone I've ever stole from four times and I'm going to give everything that I have to the poor. The Lord did not require that of him. That's just what happened. Generosity can be learned at the table. Then the following week, we learned from Luke the 7th chapter, uh, we, we learned about... Um, Grace at the table. Grace is always served at the table. There's no condemnation at the table. When the uh, woman of Bethany came to anoint Jesus' feet and wash his feet with her tears, dry them with her hair, that she, she was shown grace and there was no condemnation. Jesus didn't tell her that she had to go clean herself up and repent of all of her sins and follow the commandments the rest of her life before she was worthy to come into his presence. Grace is always on the table. Then we learned about the good part from Mary and Martha in Luke the 10th chapter, and that good part is our portion, as Lisa pointed out to us, and that portion is the same word as inheritance. And Jesus said to Martha that Mary had chosen the good part or, the, or her inheritance from the words that he had spoken, and listen to this, it will never be taken from you. And then last week we learned about gratitude at the table and we're going to wrap this thing up, kind of jumping outside of the Gospel of Luke and traveling over to the Old Testament. But first I want to tell you about my friend Rocky. This is not a joke, it's not a parable, this is a true story. Uh, when I was in elementary school at Nitro Elementary, there was a young man that was mentally challenged and he was disabled and just, you know, kind of at lunchtime in elementary school, you're looking for a place to sit down, have lunch. And 
there are tables full of cliques and there are tables full of bullies and Rocky found his way to my table and we sat down and we began to talk to each other. We began to have a relationship. Rocky ended up going to church with me and I can't ever forget going bowling with Rocky and he would roll that ball down and even though there were bumper pads on the, you know, the, the gutters there, he would jump up and down because he got a strike. Just a great kid. But one thing that Rocky had a guarantee of in elementary school was a seat at my table. He knew that if he came to sit down with me and my friends that he was guaranteed a spot at that table. That, I'm not puffing myself up. I just That's who I was as a kid, and those are the way things happened. But how much more does our Heavenly Father want to guarantee us a seat at his table, no matter our mental capability or our physical challenges or our upheaval or the consequences of our past, he wants to guarantee us a seat at his table. And one of the greatest illustrations of grace that was ever portrayed in the scripture involves the story of the man from the Old Testament. Uh, His name is not only hard to pronounce, one of the worst names in, in the Bible, but his story is tragic. But out of that, uh, despite his name and his disability, we can find that despite our disabilities, there's room at the king's table for all of us. So turn with me to 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter. You've heard us share about Mephibosheth in the past, but I hope to share, shed some new light uh, on the story in light of King David being a representation or a type and shadow of Christ. Next week, I'm going to share with you about no more types and shadows. Those are We have a substance now, and we'll share about that next week. But this is one of those types and shadows that points to Christ. And verse 3 says that King David said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I might show the kindness of God unto him. Would you underline kindness? David, as a type of Christ, had in his heart to show the kindness of the father to Jonathan's family. In the New Testament, the Greek word uh, translated kindness signifies goodness in action. So it's actually the kindness of God that refers to the goodness in His actions towards us. It's God's goodness expressed in His deeds of kindness towards His people. It's God's goodness that prompted in grace and in tenderness and compassion that Jesus went to the cross for us. It's the kindness of God in action to see Jesus with His arms spread, nailed to the cross, that's the goodness of God. And that's what draws men to repentance. It's His goodness and His kindness that's shown towards men that draws them. The account of King David's kindness to this man called Mephibosheth is just like I said, a type and a picture. And so it really starts in chapter 4, of 2 Samuel. Jump back a few chapters to chapter 4, verse 4. This is the beginning of the account 
we have to know Mephibosheth's story. Mephibosheth is five years old in chapter 4, verse 4, and he's being tended to by a nurse, uh, a caregiver, uh, because his father is off to battle. We don't know where his mother is. And his grandfather is also off to battle. And so when the word comes that King Saul, and his, which is his grandfather, and King Jonathan, or the Prince Jonathan, were killed in battle, the nurse gets so caught up in fear that she snatches this five-year-old boy out because you know the tradition was that whatever dynasty was going to take over next, they would wipe out the last king's complete family so there was no heir to the throne. And so for fear of Mephibosheth's life, his nurse picks him up, takes off, and in her haste to get him uh, away from this danger, she drops him on his head and it causes his feet to be lame. Scripture tells us that he's lame in both of his feet. The name Mephibosheth uh, has the connotation of shame to it. Some would translate it out of the mouth of shame. But in its fullness, both in Hebrew and Greek, the context would refer to a dispeller of shame. So even though his name meant shame, he's going to be able through his story to dispel the shame that was cast on his life through, number one, his name that was given to him. It's a, it's a bad name that was given to him. I don't know why his family put shame in his name. And then second, his tragic story. You know, it goes to show that no matter what our pedigree is, or no matter what our upbringing has been, and no matter what our circumstances have been, Jesus dispels all of the shame through the goodness of the Father that's been bestowed on us. That's a good place to shout. Under the law of Moses, because of his lameness, he's disqualified. How many of you have ever been disqualified by any group of people or church because of something you did, said, or were? I think we could all raise our hands and some people lifted two back there. Because of a doctrine, because of a rule, uh, because of some type of preconceived idea about certain groups of people with the color of their skin, their nationality, their background, they've been disqualified. It's unfortunate to, uh, to this day in modern history that Sunday morning church hour is the most segregated hour of the week. In church, where we're supposed to come together, tear down those walls of racism and discrimination. Still the most segregated. Look around you. Just look around you. You know? We've disqualified people. Unfortunately, it still happens in this place because of certain people with certain lifestyles, hairstyles, colors of skin. I can say we're judgment free all I want, but if you disqualify them at the front door, they'll never be accepted and they'll never hear the message of grace and no condemnation and they can be free of their shame. Uh, it doesn't just start at the door. It starts out there at work and in the grocery store. If we're disqualifying people based upon the person that, that serves us at the, uh, the food establishment that may... Uh, 
be confused in their identity because they've never been told that they're a child of God and because they're struggling with their identity, they may not look what you think they ought to look like and so you disqualify them. You might treat them okay, but in your heart and in your mind, are you accepting of them? Because I'll even go to the point of their disability. If they're in a wheelchair or walking with a walker or they have cerebral palsy or they may have mild retardation and you can't understand what they're saying. Help us, Jesus. Who are we disqualifying in our hearts and minds because of their condition? Lameness was a physical condition which made it very difficult and sometimes even impossible in the Scriptures for someone to walk. They had to be carried. And one of Lisa's favorite stories in the New Testament is her, the four crazy friends that carry their lame friend to Jesus. He couldn't get to Jesus because he was lame. He couldn't walk, so someone carried. Could you imagine having to be carried your whole life everywhere that you went? The lame were prohibited under the law as serving as priests. I said it during our worship time. He has made us a kingdom of priests to serve unto our God. You, you weren't disqualified or prohibited from serving as a priest. You've been made a royal priesthood. We are a kingdom of priests, and what are we doing? We are serving bread and wine to everyone that we come in contact with. Many who were lame were discarded from their families. It's one thing to be disqualified from an outside group of people, but it's another thing to be discarded from your family because you have an illness or a disease. And in that particular culture, if you were lame, they didn't want you. So they cast you out in most cultures and societies so that you could beg. And do you know, we find this in, um, I believe it's, Mark the 10th chapter with blind Bartimaeus, he had an, a garment that identified him as a beggar. I, don't We can't stick our nose up that. We do that. It may not be a particular outer garment that we put on people to make them recognize, but we label people and we put all types of pressure on them and we put garments on them in the spiritual that discards them, that excludes them from the benefits and the, the blessings of the Lord. Ooh, chapter 9, verse 4 says, And the king, this is David, is asking if there's any from Jonathan's family left. And he said, they said, there is. In verse 4, he replies with, where is he? Where is this one? See, that kind of brings me to the parable of Luke, the 14th chapter, verse 21, when God sent out, Jesus sent out in the parable, he said they went out to the highways and the byways, they invited people and they wouldn't come. And he says he compelled them to go out and call the, the lame and the halt and the blind and the lame and bring them in. Where are they? He's saying where are they're in the streets, go after them. We're main, and I'm not just particularly talking about the physically lame. There are all types of disabilities and handicaps that are seen and unseen that we should be going after those to tell them that the goodness of God and the kindness of God is that they are invited to the table of the Lord. To sit at His table. So I said it at the beginning of the message and I'll say it again here and I hope it's on the screen. 
For some, the, inv the invitation to our table is the only invitation to God's table they'll ever receive. Do you know that the most unreached people group in the world, well, it was two years ago, the Muslim population in different countries, but now the most unreached people group in the world is the American young people under the age of 20. We are in a post-Christian culture in America. And in that post-Christian culture in America, the youth under 20 are the most unreached people group in the world. We're sending thousands of missionaries and millions of dollars to foreign countries as we should for them to hear the gospel while the young people in the inner cities of America have no idea and no clue what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. I'm talking about America. Why? Because they have no table to sit at. A lot of them don't have a table to sit at where they can have uh, mentorship, and a learning experience and some culture that they just don't have that type of setting in the home, much less in the church. So 2 Samuel, the ninth chapter, verse 5, it says that King David sent and brought him out of the house of Makar, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Somebody say Lodabar. Lodabar. Lodabar is the place of no word. It's the place of no pasture. There's not a green pasture for the shepherd to lead them to for them to eat from. And there is no word. Matter of fact, the, in the whole context of Lodabar, it means no thing. How many people do I know, how many people do you know that are stuck in Nothingsville? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss show. Nothingsville. They have no word. They have no pasture to, to, to glean from. They have nothing to show for their life. That it's just a whole lot of nothing. But God is sending for those that are in Nothingsville. He wants to bring them out of Nothingsville. And the invitation as we all come out of Nothingsville is to sit at the king's table. And so when David sends for him, he's bringing Mephibosheth out of Lodabar and he's bringing him to the king's palace in Jerusalem. And verse 7 says, David said unto him, there's three things in verse 7. Try to catch these three things. We'll talk about them. Fear not, for surely I will show thee kindness for your father Jonathan's sake. I will restore all of the land of Saul, thy grandfather, and I, you shall eat uh, bread at my table continually. Do you see the three things that are found there? I will show you kindness, favor, blessing, grace. I'm going to bestow upon you through my actions of goodness the kindness of the Lord. This was a 20-plus-year-old promise 
that David had made to his best friend, Jonathan, that even when they died, they would take care of each other's family. Can I tell you, there was a covenant, and I just felt the Holy Spirit run all up and down my arms. There was a covenant that God made over 2,000 years ago at the cross that guarantees you a place at his table. Hmm. Favor is at that table. Restoration is at that table. How many of you need something restored in your life? Joel 2.25 says that the years that the locust and the canker worm have eaten up, I will restore. That restoration process began on the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and said, this is that which the prophet Joel prophesied about I will pour out my and then the restoration process began as the Holy Spirit began to pour out and the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost on that day of Pentecost when the church was birthed and now that restoration process has continued from generation to generation he's giving us back the land he's giving us back see we're to take dominion kingdom authority we're back in the garden where we've been given dominion over everything and we just tend and steward what God has already done for us through Jesus at the cross. And then he said there's provision. Continually you will eat bread, daily bread, a fresh living word from heaven. Listen, it's a guarantee. It, I don't know how, other, how else to tell you that it's a guarantee. Um, week in and week out, Monday through Friday, I, you know, we all work jobs. We, they look different. Some of us go to an office. Some of us work in the field. Monday through Friday, we all have these, these schedules that we have to keep. Uh, I know life is busy. And I get anyway, there's nobody's life busy like ours, no. We're running here, we're running there. And it's difficult sometimes to sit down at a table throughout the week and have a meal. Especially if you're running kids here and there and you're doing all types of things. It's difficult. And we've gotten into a culture, and it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. It is what it is right now. But most of us are running through this drive through or picking up this food item on the way home, or we're having someone deliver it to us on DoorDash, Grubhub. And so those things are brought to us. Even then, we sit in front of the TV or we, we pick some other spot that we're comfortable with, and we very rarely slow down in life to sit down at a table and receive a meal. Um, that's indicative of what has gone on, in my opinion, in the church world. Um, if you just want to sit up on the edge of your seat and listen for just a minute. We have seen, in the, especially in the last three years, as the culture has shifted and changed because of the season that we came through in our country, that all types of things are being used as excuses now. And anybody watching online and anybody that you want to send a text message to right now or a, a sweet Facebook message later on in the week to remind them that we, we've got to pay attention and slow our lives down so that we can gather together 
in a community of a body together, and this is representative of gathering at the table, to glean and to hear. There is something that you might say to someone else today that would encourage them. You might say something to me that encourages me and hopefully we sing or pray or say something that encourages you. But I'm not just looking at Grace Life Church. I'm looking across the globe at attendance in church right now and people aren't coming to the table. The sad thing is, in most cases, they're not even pulling up to the table on a daily basis to get any daily bread. Now, God is good and God is gracious and God is kind and none of that is a heaven or hell issue and it's not to put condemnation on anyone, but there are certain responsibilities and things that we ought to do, Paul says. I'm afraid that as we've gotten away from the table, if we've not sat at the table uh, during the week somewhere and we're dependent upon fast food on Sunday morning just to get us through the week and sustain us, there are physical consequences if we eat fast food all the time. Um, (laughs) But God has guaranteed a seat for us at the table. Mephibosheth in verse 11 was reminded for a second time in these short 13 verses that you shall eat at my table, and then this is added to it in verse 11. I love this part. As the king's son. In other words, he wasn't one of David's biological children, but he was a prince because Saul was his grandfather and he was in the lineage, but he had not been living that lifestyle in Lodabar. So David, through the kindness that he is showing to him to show the goodness of the Lord, is guaranteeing him a seat at the table where he will be treated as one of the king's kids. Are you eating like a son? See, King Jesus has extended an invitation to the whole world to come and to sit at his table. And he's still knocking at the door, inviting people to open that door so he could come in and dine with them where he guarantees a seat at the table. Says, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him. I am still caught up five weeks later when we started with that verse that he's talking to the church. And what he's saying to the church is he was reminding them that you have a seat at the table and I want to come in and dine with you. I want to sit down, recline with you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to build that relationship. Um, but we are content a lot of times um, to get a invitation but not enjoy the feast. He is ushering restoration in at the table. It's, his kindness is perpetuated at that table. His provisions of daily supply are at that table. And there's no disability that disqualifies any of us from the king's delicacies. Uh, we went to eat at Fazio's on Friday night. And what a meal. 
if I start talking about it, my mouth will start watering. As I had the salmon and the shrimp and a salad before that, and then the waitress said, well, you get another side with that. I said, oh, really? My goodness. That's, and it was a great food. And then there was dessert, and there was coffee. And it, it just, you know, it was an amazing time of fellowship with our friends, but the food was just, it was very, very good. If you've never been to Fazio's, I recommend it. But I don't have a guarantee at that table without a reservation or calling them up. They're only open on certain hours. And those hours have decreased because you can't find good help anymore to come and wait tables or work anywhere. But my point is this, the table of the Lord is never closed. And the invitation is always being extended. You don't need a reservation. Your invitation is for eternity. He said you will continually eat at my table. I, I talk to a lot of different people and a lot of different various problem situations. Talked to a brother for, at dinner Thursday night that I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, presenting with something that in an old mindset was a generational curse. If you believe in those things, I, you know, that's a stage, that's a... a part of your journey and if that's where you're at I completely understand that but I believe according to Galatians the curse was hung on the tree so there are no generational curses there may be predispositions because you've seen something modeled and because it was modeled for you it's you see it as acceptable and you fall into those patterns and those habits but it's not a curse that's been placed on your life because even in the old covenant you couldn't curse what God has blessed and so if it, you couldn't curse what God had blessed in the Old Testament, I guarantee you that you can't curse what God's blessed in the New Covenant because it's a greater blood with greater power. I want to note something. Frank, if you'll come and get ready. I want to challenge... This is something that's been challenging my thinking. Why do you think it is that so many are tempted to leave the table? In today's culture, and I'm not just talking about church attendance. I'm talking about people walking away from the blessings of God. I mean, the blessing of the Lord is still on them in their mindsets. They're walking around, uh, away from the table of the king to go back to the slop of yesterday's leftovers. So that's where the prodigal son ended up. He was tempted to eat. didn't say that he ate it, but he was tempted to eat the slop that the pigs were eating, which was nothing more than yesterday's leftovers. Why are we so satisfied in a culture to eat if there's no nourishment in it? It stinks. It will probably cause health problems. I'm talking in the spiritual now that we stay stuck in that rut eating the slop of yesterday's leftovers and that's where the enemy will make accusation in our minds to keep us there. I want to remind you that Colossians 1 says that you were never an enemy of God. You were never alienated from God, only in your thinking. He never left you. He never forsook you. He never withdrew his invitation or took away your chair. You still have a seat at the king's table. Doesn't, you know, maybe I'm talking to someone out there that's watching today or watching later. Jesus is still offering you that place at the table. 
It's guaranteed. There's joy and gladness at the table. There's absolute security at the table. Growing up, I can remember there was no safer place to be than to be around the table with all of my family knowing that we were safe at home, roof over our head, food on our table, a very absolute secure place. There was a constant source of comfort and supply. And listen, this is the part that I like. It's a perpetual feast. The Song of Solomon says, He seated me at his banquet eating table and he's placed his banner of love over me. You remember that from Children's Church. He feeds me at his banquet eating table. And it's true. It's not just a kid's song. You are seated at a perpetual feast where all are invited and no one is excluded. No one's been excluded from this invitation. Would you bow your heads just for a moment and listen to these next few words? Maybe you're caught up in one of these. If you're feeling unloved, unimportant, unworthy. Sidewalk prophets say it this way, come to the table. Take your seat beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. In your mind, just imagining sitting at the table where you have a guaranteed seat. Remember, your physical condition does not determine your spiritual position. So no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your situation is, that does not disqualify you from sitting at the king's table. And I can guarantee you this this morning. God loves you. Nothing can separate you from, this is a guarantee, nothing can separate you from his love. He will always be with you. By his stripes you are healed. God is good and his mercies endure forever. Stay seated. Stay seated in that place of security and rest. I don't know what lie we've bought into. I don't know what has caused the distraction in our life to cause us to want to get up from the table. But I believe the voice of the Spirit is saying this morning, come back to the table, sit down, be set free. It's a guarantee. Remain seated there at the table where you have a daily supply, where there's comfort and support, where there's security, where there's joy. I don't know what you walked into the room with this morning on your heart and your mind that caused you to feel disqualified or discarded or discouraged. (laughs) But I'm inviting you to come back to the table. It's been such um, an incredible, powerful thing in my heart over the last year or so as we learned in our, to use our imagination. It's a powerful thing. The, the imagination is an image. If you can get that image of what I'm talking about this morning in your mind and you can picture it as a reality in your own life, see yourself seated at the table. You know, Jesus said that he came to serve, not to be served. 
So around that table, he's the one serving you. Can you picture that in your mind today that he's serving you? Then we serve others as a kingdom of priests at the table. Would you stand with me please this morning as we conclude this service? incredible thing I'm having about four different conversations with myself right now I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit about what he wants to do next I'm having a conversation about um, mm, that wasn't too good this was dry this morning I'm having a conversation well what should I said I couldn't have said well should I said this I'm having a conversation about I wonder what Lisa wants to say next to add to this because she always has something good to enhance what I've said this morning. It's kind of like putting the barbecue sauce on that dull piece of steak that you've had. And it's incredible. So all these things are going through. Or is anybody else like that? You know, you got all these conversations going on. You do that. You have something to say? Good. Come on up here. Absolutely. Rocky. Mephibosheth, yeah. Sure. up to the table and that disability gets hidden under the table and it doesn't mean making it at the table then everybody looks the same if the disability is under that tablecloth of grace that's good thank you for that word anybody else why we've got to get out of Lodabar because there's no word at Lodabar there's nothing being said there we don't live by bread alone but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God so we've got to get out of Lodabar come to the table it's good thank you Randy every heart clear This is 
we're entering into this season where a lot of people will sit at the table for Thanksgiving. They will enjoy a meal uh, with their family, I hope. And there are lots and lots of invitations to people that don't have some place to sit that they can come. There's Thanksgiving meal through Putnam County here at the Putnam County Parks on Thanksgiving morning. You can even have that meal delivered to your house. There's just no need for anyone to go without. That's seasonal. The table, the invitation to the table of the Lord is always open and always available to us. So, you guys, you you bless me when you're here. I appreciate you're just being gracious and faithful to come and sit and listen. Uh, we trust that we're sharing good news and that you're being encouraged. Our goal was to help remove grave clothes from people so that they can hear and they can work and they can walk with Jesus and just enjoy the benefits of the kingdom and just make Jesus real big and real good. And, uh, sometimes the disappointments of life are overwhelming and hopefully when you come in on Sunday mornings those things begin to roll off your back and, but we're available through the week we've got a lot of different resources places things that we can plug you into um, It's a, I, I don't know of any other church and there may be but I don't know of any other church that consistently announces activities going on at other churches I mean, it's a kingdom thing, but week in and week out, Matthew's got something on the screen about something going on at another church. Uh, and um, that's just body ministry. That's just the kingdom of God. Um, we're going to participate. Frank's going to be helping lead a big worship night at Kings River. They do a guys' night at uh, Harvest Chapel every Thursday night. Um, there's just a lot of opportunities that we can plug you into. And, uh, clear? Clear?